Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a one-time donation or a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So this week, I wanted to explore the topic of complex grief and that particular experience of ending something when you know that it is time to go. I think a really helpful place to begin is with that term complex grief and what does that actually mean? Now, as I always try to do on this podcast, I want to remind you to listen to the feelings being described versus the facts. Because very often we almost fall into this trap of focusing on facts that are being described and using that as a way to separate ourselves from the topic by saying, well, I had this experience with my mother, but the example you gave was with a father, so this has nothing to do with me. And what I'm trying to say is it's not about the descriptor of the person or the descriptor of the situation. It's about the feelings that these things inspire in us. And that's the connective thread. So if you find yourself doing that, immediately excluding yourself from the topic by focusing on the facts, I'm going to ask you to invite yourself back in and say, where do I resonate with the feelings? Because it's really important, and especially with this topic of complex grief, we can immediately say, no, 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 that doesn't apply to me. I just accept things and move on. Or we can say, this is something that is probably pretty common. So even if I don't experience this at a heightened level all the time, I'm probably going to cross paths with someone that I care about who's navigating this as well. And how do I show up in that situation? So to begin with, complex grief can look like either ruminating or perseverating or obsessing about something from your past. Maybe it's an interaction you had with someone. Maybe it's an altercation or a missed opportunity. Really looping again and again and again through something that's happened. It can be focusing on this one point in time that you think changed your life and not really focusing on all of the things that led up to it or have happened since that time. Maybe it is an excessive 
avoidance of reminders about something, which can be very self-protective. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that when we do that very often to the point that it impacts our functioning, maybe that is an invitation into awareness that we are navigating complex grief around this topic. So again, it's never about punishing ourselves for something that we do. It's about bringing ourselves into awareness and then perhaps acceptance and then maybe even action. So complex grief can also look like numbness or detachment from a situation that actually requires some attention from you. It can be profound bitterness over something. It can be maybe not coming to terms with your conflicting feelings. Maybe you can see the good in something, but it was also very bad for you. And those two things, instead of coexisting, are actually clashing within you. Maybe it brings up profound feelings of a lack of trust in other people, but also in yourself and your decision making. Because this one thing happened or it went bad and it started a cycle of a few other things happening. And instead of saying, maybe this is what I can learn from the situation. This is what I can take away from it. This is what contributed to it. Or maybe even this is life on life's terms. And sometimes things happen. We begin to hyper focus on either the person or the action or the change that happened. Complex grief can also look like having a difficult time carrying out your daily routines. So when this begins impacting your functioning and you are no longer able to do what you need to do to show up for commitments or to rise to the occasion the way you normally would, you might be experiencing some of this. You know, it also shows up when we're isolating from others or withdrawing from activities that we previously enjoyed. There can be a lot of sadness or guilt or self-blame. It's a very disorienting experience. So I always encourage people to think about, all right, well, what happens when I'm disoriented? What are the feelings that come up? What do I look for? What am I grasping for when I'm disoriented? What actually makes me feel better? And is that different than what I think will make me feel better? So that's a little bit of a foundation for where we are beginning with this topic of complex grief. The next part of this discussion on complex grief really focuses on maybe some confusion about what we are actually grieving. So very often when we talk about grief, I think that there is this misconception that we are grieving the current experience. So I want to clarify that because I personally feel that we are not grieving what we are currently experiencing, especially if it's negative. We are grieving what we experienced at the beginning of something that really piqued our interest, that made us feel safe, that made us feel intrigued, engaged, inspired, all of those things. We are grieving what was quote unquote promised to us. We are grieving what could have been. We are grieving all the things that we wanted. We're grieving possibility. Maybe we're grieving what we trusted. We're grieving what made us feel safe. 
And I really did want to focus on that for a minute because so often when we are having conversations about grief with probably our loved ones, our friends, our family, when we're sharing our experience in the here and now of grieving something, sometimes the response we get is a little confusing because the person listening to us is saying, what you're having this horrible experience, just get over it, just move on, just let it go, just break up with them, just find a new job. All of these responses that are really not helpful in the moment because they're not speaking to our actual experience, right? We're not grieving this horrible span of time we've had at work where we're feeling completely defeated. No, we are grieving the job that hired us, that we were excited about, that we were passionate about, that we thought was perfect for us. We are not grieving all of the disappointment at the very end of the relationship. That's not what pulled us in that really engaged us and made us be hopeful and believe in love. We're grieving the beginning, the good things, the things that really made us feel like this was the relationship for us. And that's why it's not easy to just snap our fingers and say, yeah, I'll just get over it. I'll just walk away because we're not grieving the punishment or the pain or the disappointment. Yes, in some way we are, but we're focusing on what we thought we were going to have. And that's at the core of all of that pain and all of that discomfort and that disorienting feeling. Because it's very clear to us when something happens that is unacceptable to us, there's not a lot of confusion about that. We feel it inside. We know it. This behavior, whatever it is, the situation, whatever it is, is not acceptable. This is not what I wanted. This is not something that would have pulled me in in the beginning, but it's something that opens the exit on the way out. And yes, you can feel very sad about that, but that's not the thing that makes it so complicated. So when someone's coming to us and they're sharing about the end of something and they intellectually know that it is time to go, that's not what the problem is. It's not that they couldn't see the red flags at the end. It's that they weren't seeing them at the beginning or they weren't present at the beginning. And it's really challenging to be met with that almost cold black and white thinking when you are trying to share with someone your confusion or all that gray area that has risen up within you because you did experience something good at one point and now it has devolved into something bad. So the confusion is, why isn't it going back to what I thought was good? Isn't that a possibility in the future? And I feel like that's an opportunity for all of us to reflect on our own experiences instead of pointing a finger at someone else and saying, this is obviously what you should do. It's an opportunity to say, oh, I've been there too. I was there at the ending of a relationship that really devolved and was no longer what I thought it was going to be. Or I had to leave a job as well. And it was a huge disappointment and it really turned my life upside down, but I knew it was the best thing to do. And all of my complex feelings were about what I thought it could have been. And so I really want to check in about that because I think grief can touch on a lot of things. And very often we think grief is only about the loss of a loved one. But I think grief shows up in so many different areas of our lives. 
I mean, we see it in our jobs. I mentioned that earlier, our professional lives. How often have you had feelings of complex grief and really feeling challenged about ending something when you knew it was time to go and you didn't have another job lined up and you were in a complicated financial situation or you needed health insurance or any of these real life experiences? And it was very complicated to just simply walk away. And it's also not really based in reality. If you're an adult living in the current world, it's really challenging and it's incredibly scary. And so I don't know that that's the level of understanding or compassion we're looking for when we share with other people that we are in that state. It actually brings up a lot of fight or flight. And I don't think people focus on that enough. Our professional lives take up so much of our days. We spend more time with the people we work with than we do with the people we love. So you can imagine that this is pretty complicated to make those decisions, to move on, to end something, to pivot into the unknown. And isn't it such an opportunity? I keep coming back to that word to offer other people some grace and understanding in those situations instead of getting high on, oh, I know exactly what you should do. You should do this. Just get over it. Another area of our lives where we experience a great deal of complex grief is in our intimate relationships, our partnerships. And who listening can't relate to that, can't relate to knowing that you needed to end something knowing that it was time to go and really struggling with your feelings around it. And wouldn't it be great if all of us functioned like they do in sitcoms and within 30 minutes we had the entire character arc. We went from the awareness into the acceptance into the action and then immediately we meet someone else and it's perfect and it all ends well. But in real life we often know that that doesn't happen and we know that there are consequences for the choices that we make and we weigh those consequences and we get really torn and we think about all of the things that we thought we were going to have with this person in this relationship maybe we're also thinking about the way that we saw ourselves and how challenging that is for many of us, we often experience feelings of failure at the end of relationships, thinking that if we had been better, if we had been better looking, if we'd been more successful, if we tried harder, we could have forced this thing to work. And that's not dismissing accountability. Very often when relationships end, there's a real reason why. Either we have shown up in some way or our partner did, or we were just not compatible. That is also okay. It is perfectly acceptable, but the issue is when we don't allow room for all of that confusing grief because it's there for a reason. It's all trying to come into right relationship with what is happening, and it's okay if that doesn't happen immediately. It's okay if we have to sift through some of our thoughts, our feelings, maybe our insecurities or our character defects, and process what's been going on. I don't know where we got this belief that if something doesn't happen immediately, that it's not valid, it's not worthwhile, it's not real. I actually think very differently. I think it's really okay to allow things to rise up to the surface in their own time. And so then the next area that I would focus on is 
the ending of a goal or a dream or a vision that we've had for ourselves or our lives and all the complex grief around letting something go that you have spent a great deal of time and energy working towards and how layered that is and how challenging it can be when we're sharing that with other people because it can seem very obvious from the outside that something is not working out just course correct it's so obvious just do something else but that's not really how we're wired I think that we spend a lot of our creative energy building a life that we want. And I don't understand this belief that we should just snap our fingers and drop something and move on to something new. If you've ever really wanted something or were working towards a goal, you know how much of your just body, mind, and spirit goes into it. Your soul goes into it. And it's also okay if it's not what you're meant to do or it's not where you're meant to be. That input of time and energy and effort is the practice. And even if it doesn't result in the culmination of exactly what you wanted, it's still an exercise and a lesson and is moving you in a new direction. And it's really okay to have complicated feelings of putting down those dreams and making room for something new. It's almost like a relationship. It's almost like letting go of a best friend because this was something that was so intimately yours. You maybe never even shared it with someone else, but it was something that you knew in your heart was meant for you. So you can imagine how difficult it is to just let go of something overnight. I think it's a process, and I think that process takes us places. I believe that there's also a lot of complex grief around our wounds and our trauma. And this could be its own episode, so I don't want to gloss over it, but I want to say in the context of this episode, our trauma is so layered and it is more so about our experience, our thoughts, our feelings, our perception of what has occurred versus what actually occurred. And my point in mentioning that is someone from the outside could look at something that happened to us and say, well, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Just get over it. But they're not looking at all of the thoughts and feelings that were embedded within us that changed how we saw the world, changed how we saw ourselves, that directed our thoughts, our communication, our action, our relationships, our choices, and what that did in our lives. And sometimes we do have a lot of complex grief about packing those things away, letting them go, and moving in a new direction. And I bring this up because there is a lot of shame around that. And I always think that anytime we have that feeling inside, that anxiety, that shame that rises up, it is just another opportunity for gentleness and compassion because we may not be talking about it with other people, but it's very common. And a lot of us go through that. And it's really okay to sit with that and not wrap up our trauma into a neat little package. We don't have to do that. It is legitimate, it is real, it is life-changing, no matter how we process it. 
there is also a lot of complex grief around the devil you know. So this concept of, yes, I may know that I want to move out of this situation, move on from this relationship, move beyond this job, but it is familiar. And there's a lot of grief in letting go of what is familiar and almost exposing ourselves with vulnerability to the unknown. And even if the unknown is better than what we currently have, there's a lot of fear there, a lot of uncertainty. And just think about how we've maybe met fear and uncertainty in our lives, how other people have modeled for us how to navigate fear and uncertainty and how challenging it can be. And lastly, I want to talk about grieving our resentments when we finally find ourselves in a place where we can also take accountability for something that has happened. And this does not apply to every resentment, so I am not saying that. But let's just say if it's 50% of the time, this resentment that we have been holding on to, that has been growing within us, this justified resentment that has changed our relationships or our boundaries or our principles and has inspired us to do things we maybe thought we would never do, when we come to a place where we can see how we contributed to something, we have that experience of complex grief around letting go of those resentments, of ending that experience when we know that it's time to go or that we have outgrown it. It can make us feel very unsafe. It can make us feel very vulnerable. It can almost make us feel as if we are a target, that maybe some of what we've been dishing out to other people is now immediately going to come firing back at us. And it's not about listening to this podcast episode and immediately moving past that. It's about recognizing that these are common experiences. We are going to navigate them at some time in our life. Resentments are a very human thing to deal with. And we can take the time and put in the energy to navigating them in perhaps a healthier way. One thing that I have often noticed about our experience with complex grief is that very often there is confusion about the characteristics associated with it. So the outside world can make us feel that our complex grief, our circuitous path in grief, is really about weakness, or it is shame-based, or that we don't have what it takes to deal with something versus what I actually believe it is, and that is an experience of courage, courage outside the box. So it's the courage to keep going, the courage to pick ourselves up, the courage to pivot into something new, the courage to move in a new direction, move past some of those self-defeating or limiting thoughts, the courage to show up and meet ourselves where we are. And that can be meeting our pain, meeting our insecurity, meeting our shame, meeting our fear, and not running from ourselves. And that's a really powerful way to integrate courage into our experience and to not allow the outside world to infiltrate that or to define our experience for us. I think about that a lot. In grief, do we have the courage to allow ourselves 
to suffer a little and to not push ourselves away and to trust that this is not a permanent state. It's more like a journey that we're on and that suffering is almost a train platform in the middle of nowhere. And we can step out of the train, we can look around, we can use the restroom, maybe we buy a snack, and eventually we board the train again and we move along to a more permanent or suitable destination. The next thing I wanna talk about is a very common experience in complex grief. And that is part of the confusion that happens when there is a plateau of calm in a situation. When something is ending and it's been pretty bad where it's brought you to the point of thinking that this is the end of something, but for a moment, everything isn't horrible all at once. And something that very commonly happens is that we instantly begin to challenge our perception of what has occurred, how we feel, and our fears about the future. So one thing that has always helped me personally, and it's something I have often shared with people in my life, is that those little pauses in awfulness, those moments of clarity in a terrible situation, they are not there to convince you to stay. They are not there to lower your standards or to force you to accept the unacceptable. These little pauses are gifts. They are the gasp of air you need to recalibrate, to anchor into your decision, and to take contrary action and just continue to do the next right thing. So that is something that is so confusing about this experience with grief where we have that, we have that little break and we think, oh no, maybe I was wrong about everything. Maybe this job is okay. Maybe I'm crazy for wanting to leave. Maybe this relationship will change. Maybe they will go back to who they were in the beginning. Maybe my family will be different this time. And I am not here to tell you what to do with your own life because I am very busy trying to figure out my life at the moment. But I do want to remind you that if your natural instinct in a moment of pause is to immediately turn on yourself, to discount your thoughts, to discount your experience, then that is informative. If that moment of pause instantly makes you not trust yourself anymore, that might be the complex grief of an ending trying to communicate with you. You know, something that I mentioned earlier in this episode is that natural inclination to think that if we had just worked harder, been better, been better looking, done a better job, gone above and beyond, that we could have changed the outcome. And I think about that a lot because while I understand it, and I understand that every now and then there is something we could have done because we do contribute in some way to situations, if that is our go-to, is that really the truth coming through in the situation? Or is it our desire to assert some control in an out-of-control situation? So for example, if we are in a very dysfunctional work situation, instead of saying, this is a dysfunctional work situation, it is unhealthy for me, I need to find a way to extract myself from this, even if it disrupts my life as I know it, is it almost easier to tell ourselves, well, I could work harder, I could work longer, 
Maybe if I'm just nicer, maybe if I just keep going, maybe someone had a bad day, all of these things that we tell ourselves to almost assert this false sense of control over outcomes. And nothing I say is absolute, but I really offer this as a new way of looking at things. When am I showing up for life on life's terms? And when am I attempting to assert control over things by putting excessive blame on myself? I wanted to close this episode with some thoughts I have about how we quote unquote fix this in our culture because you can open any social media platform and someone can have a top five list of how to navigate anything. That's not really what this podcast is about. I think I make that pretty clear. This is really just about talking about what we go through and maybe looking at different possibilities of how we can approach it. But what I often hear is this very top-down approach to navigating grief. And by that I mean we're very often told, just go see a therapist. And we're not really exploring how unaccessible that is for so many people on so many levels. It can be not accessible financially. It can be not accessible to us emotionally. Maybe we've had a bad experience with authority figures or therapy or trust or communication. Or maybe we don't even have the words to explain what we're going through right now. And so that approach can almost kind of gloss over what we're going through. And I'm not a big believer in all or nothing thinking, but I am a big believer in reordering what we do. Grief, from my perspective, is a whole body experience. And in order to meet our grief, we can show up in our whole self and whole experience. So it's not about saying never go to therapy, but it is saying, is that the first thing we need? Is that going to help us to access our truth and our emotions and our feelings and really empower us? Or perhaps would being in our bodies actually help us? Would trying new things help us? Trying new things that we don't have past associations with. Maybe seeking out things that highlight what we love and honor about ourselves. Maybe it's about participating in our favorite pastimes or allowing ourselves the space to engage in creative expression. And I guess my point in saying this is that it is not a one-size-fits-all approach for everyone, no matter what anyone is telling you. It's really about you figuring out what works for you. And it can be different in every situation. It can be different in every stage of life. And that's okay. That's part of it. As I was prepping for this episode today, I came across a really powerful quote. And I felt that it captured everything that I was trying to express in this episode. This is by Earl Grohlman. He said, Grief is not a disorder, a disease, or a sign of weakness. It is an emotional physical, and spiritual necessity, the price you pay for love. The only cure for grief is to grieve. Well, until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform, take a moment to rate and review this podcast, and if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio 
we're scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. 